When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. My name is Louis Mendez. This is the big match preview as we gear up for Nathan Jones's first match in charge of the Addicts, a massive relegation six-pointer over at Reading uh, on Saturday. Joining me to look ahead to that huge clash of the uh, League One Titans. First up, top right, Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, much better than last time I spoke to you on this podcast, that's for sure. So, yeah, uh, yeah all good. Welshman in charge. It's like your it's like your dreams come true. Happy days. Welsh. Well, just a manager in charge, and uh, I haven't seen Charlton play since we last met or last caught up. So uh, yeah, I'm in good spirits. So um, yeah, <laughs> there we go. And also joining us bottom of the screen, uh, a, a man who I'm sure doesn't mind the fact that Welshman's in charge anyway. Is Lewis Cat heading, Lou? Evening, chaps. Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good. I, I'm trying to trying to balance up, like trying to wind Tom up. With uh, with the whole Welsh thing, we've actually uh, it's nothing nothing I've ever really cared about at all. But you have got to try and wind Tom up to the extent. But yeah, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling ahead of Saturday? Um, a wide mixture of emotions, I think. Nerves, excitement, um, and to, you know, very very excited to be honest. It's I think the the um, yeah the positive feel around the place since Nathan's come in's been well overdue. I feel so. Yeah, looking forward to Saturday, but also not ignoring the uh, the magnitude of the game. That's for sure. Excellent stuff. So on uh, this evening's show, then we will hear from the new Addicts manager, and he is a manager, not a head coach. Uh, Nathan Jones had his first press conference today, so he, he met a, a few members of the press. Uh, we'll hear a couple of clips from that. We're also uh, going to hear from Matt Lansley of the Elm Park Royals, who's going to give us a lowdown on, on what's been going on uh, over there. We want to hear from you guys as well. Loads of you already in the chat. Evening to uh, Alan. Uh, to Lawrence, to Sam, to Paul Wilhelm, let loose Dudley's in there, uh, Robert's in there, David, Carl, uh, Ian, there's loads of you in there. Make sure you have your say. Uh, what you're feeling ahead of Saturday's trip uh, over to the Madstad or the Select Car Leasing Stadium, whatever, it, whatever it's called these uh, these days. Um, let us know what, how you uh, are reacting to the arrival of, of Nathan Jones. Obviously, we, we talked about the fact he was coming in on Sunday. It has been made official uh, since then. How are you feeling uh, about his press conference uh, as well? What changes would you like to see to the side uh, for Saturday's game uh, over at Reading? I think uh, first things first, we should hear uh, from the new Addicts Boston. So as I said, he had his first uh, press conference uh, earlier on today. Um, the uh, question's being asked here by Nick Godwin from BBC Radio London. Uh, one, the potential in the football club, but potential is only good if you fulfil it. Um, then certain things with, when I spoke to the owners and the people, the, the decision makers of this football club, they're fully behind you know, a process, uh, longevity and, and trying to build something solid um, and doing it the right way. Um, and then you've got the fan base, you've got, you know, the, the infrastructure here. You come in and you, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't feel like you're, 
you, you're in the League One football club, and, and, and that's sort of all those things really. But I'm, I'm excited to be here, and it's a club. But people say that you know, say some people are. I've always been a Charlton fan. I've had Charlton in my heart since I had a good year here with good people: Chris Powell, Paul Hart. You know, all all the people I worked with here and built relationships, and. I actually enjoyed my time here, and I want, I, I, want, I want that again. I want to bring results, and I want to enjoy my time here, because it's a great place. How close were you to getting back into all this before this job came along? I, I probably had about eight or nine opportunities to, to take jobs, you know, at various levels, as I said. But, I, you know, I, I knew I had to choose carefully. I, ironically, I chose, when I left Stoke, I chose my, my, my one carefully, but when Luton came in, it was a, it was a kind of a no-brainer. Um, was Millwall one of those clubs that... I just, this is not going to name anything. I wouldn't want to be disrespectful to anyone, but there's, you know, there's, there's lots of, I had lots of opportunities which I was pleased with, um, and and I was able to, to choose the right time to come back in, and I, you know, I, I was under no pressure to take a job in in terms of that, and I believe I've chosen well for for lots of reasons. How should fans take the position that you hold, which is manager rather than head coach? Is that just semantics, or does that mean something? No, it means something. The, the, the football club, you know, when we spoke, the football club wanted to build something, which means that it's not a head coach role; it's a, it's a management role. So if I'm if, if, if I'm going to be judged on on certain things, then there's certain things that I need to be involved in, and that's that's all it is. And I'm, and we're all really aligned with everything. So, so let's say recruitment, for example, is it going to be more of you telling them what you want rather than you being given? No, no. It's pro we will build processes here with good people. Andy Scott um, will will build the recruitment department. Um, we'll add certain things to the recruitment department, and we're all involved in it. And it's a process. No one human being like. Will 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 build something. It, it it there's a process here which will inc which will encapsulate a lot of people, and but everyone has to be aligned. The important thing is the process and the alignment. And as long as we've got that, no egos, no anything. Yeah, I, I, I'll get final say. If we if we don't want to sign a player, then we won't. But at no point will will the people here force me to do that because that's that's not how they've been and these are good people and I've come here to work with good people it's not just a football club it's good people and that's that's what I'm excited about as well no, sorry, that's right. yeah. and the situation on the table is not great how confident are you of being able to keep John well if, if I didn't I wouldn't be here you know so it's it's we've got to win football games but you've got to win football games whatever if we were mid-table now and we're like okay well we had 44 points now. We think we only need two wins, but I got two wins and lost 14 games. Would that would that be a good start? Right? It wouldn't be. Yeah, we wouldn't. We wouldn't get. We wouldn't be in, in the relegation, but it wouldn't give us the platform. So the important thing now is we build a platform that we can that can then turn into a springboard for next year. That's the important thing. But we have to win games. That's that's the most important thing. There we go. That's the new Addicts manager, Nathan Jones, and speaking to Nick Godwin from BBC Radio London uh, earlier on today. We'll spend your initial impressions then of the uh, of the Welshman, Tom, as, as he uh, arrives in, in SE7 and what we've heard from him over the last few days. Yeah, he usual talks a good game, doesn't he? And it's it's easy to do that without without results at this stage. I think uh, I think lots of people have been quick to dismiss the the Stoke and particularly the Southampton performances. And I think there's a lot of reasons that you can do that, particularly Southampton was a bit of a basket case at the time. Um, but we have to remember that those things still happened. So they're the bits of how I'm feeling where I'm kind of tempering expectation. But more so than that, I think I'm just very excited. I, I don't remember 
a manager coming in that I've kind of believed could actually do something long term since, well, I can't really think, probably since Powell. Um, Boya sort of fell into the role, didn't he? And it looked like maybe he could, but I, I, I feel like if he is backed, this is this is the first manager where you're like, okay, yeah, I can see, I can see there's potential there. Um, and I think with with someone like Dean, that connection was there, but maybe that long term not, and maybe the managerial experience wasn't quite there. Whereas with this, we've got we've got that as well. So. He ticks a, a huge amount of boxes. I think lots of people have spoken about the the need for somebody with a chart and connection. And I know some people say, look, I don't care about that. Others people point to every single successful season we've had tends to have been under somebody who does have a chart and connection. I lean more towards that side. I don't think it's essential, but it, it plays a big part. And you look at the sold out away end, the increase in tickets and selling out again and again and again for this Reading game. You look at just the chat on social media. Um, which doesn't speak for every fan, of course, but generally the mood around the club has just elevated so much. And for all Apple's talked about acting, you you see those clips of him on the training ground and there's a manager who is clearly showing some passion. And whether you do believe that it's just acting or not, there is a manager there that is clearly very keen to succeed. And I'm sure Michael Appleton did want to succeed, but we never really felt that. We never really saw that. And yeah, you just know the atmosphere is going to be incredible at Reading. And and if he can gain a bit of momentum, move us away from that relegation zone, we then start to focus on next season straight away under him. So, yeah, I'm wary because we're still in that relegation battle, but largely I'm very excited. And I think long-term now there might actually be a plan there, which is good. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he certainly speaks like he's a man who's going to try and build something uh, long-term, Lewis. And part, part of that, I guess, is you, you look at the fact that um, he has come in as, as manager rather than head coach. You know, I was asked this on Sunday before all, everything was official on, on the club website. And I said, well, I assume he'll be the head coach because that's how we've operated over the last uh, the last however long since since the new lot have come in. Um, but clearly they, they've not gone that way. He was asked about that there. It, it sounds like he's going to be more involved with maybe aspects of the, of the club away from purely on the grass, which is uh, which seems to be the catchphrase of the season on the grass, doesn't it? It does, yeah. If only we were better on the grass, eh? Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I think for me, the the manager, head coach title, towards the start of the season, I, I didn't really understand the, the differences, but I suppose a manager has that little bit more involvement in the actual management of the club as well as the first team, which I think at the moment, it, it could be argued that the culture around the football club this season and and, be, and before that really hasn't been there. It's It's been off it. You know, you look at the side on paper, we shouldn't be where we are. And that can only come down to sort of mentality and uh, and stuff like that. And I think having someone like Nathan, who is, as, as Tom said, he's a, you know, he's a fiery character. He's passionate. He'll get everyone behind him. That would translate onto the players and it gives everyone a bit of a boost. And, you know, the, I think the fan reaction speaks for itself, really. Um, so look, I'm really happy that he's been given that manager title. What, what that means um, differently to to the likes of of Appleton and and Dean before him, I don't know. Like in in his um, in his uh, presser there with Nick, he sort of said like it's the manager role, but you know it's not like I get the final say on things. It's it's a team effort. So how much difference there is between the two, I don't know. But I think there are there are probably things that go on behind the scenes that that we don't all see that maybe. The, the head of the first team should have more involvement in. Maybe that's where 
where Appleton and, and Dean weren't getting that. Um, so getting someone in with the experience of, of Nathan Jones to come in and try and sort of give everything a bit of a bit of a cuddle, to be honest, try and you know rebuild that culture, get everybody on side, get everyone fighting for each other, running through brick walls for him, and hopefully that will translate onto the pitch and and we'll start pulling ourselves away from this precarious position we're in at the moment because you know it's, it's a tough time to come in where we are confidence very very low i think him coming in's given everybody a bit of a lift which is crucial and we've seen that you know evidently with the with the ticket sales for saturday so taking a sold out and then some away into reading is is testament to how the, his appointment's been received by everybody so look i think it's a really really positive um there's obviously a hell of a job to be done and and these fairy tales w- within Charlton always seem to have never never get off to the easiest of starts you got to remember the excitement around Chrissy Powell taking the job and that didn't start as well as we'd liked but and it took time so what's the most important thing in all of this and I think you'll know, we'll probably go on to talk about his contract shortly but he's he's got to be given the time and that's not something that managers have been afforded here for a while so Look, this I'm excited to have him in. I think he's a really good manager for us in this moment. I think his passion and stuff is the complete polar opposite to what we've become used to with with Appleton. So, you know, let's roll on Saturday and hopefully the the Jones era gets off to a, a flying start. Yeah, Tasha said that the intensity seems to cut above uh, what we've had uh, for a long time. Even just a clip of, of training they put out the other day. And again, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything what we see in training. I'm sure there would have been plenty of coaches who, who could speak the way that Nathan does. But it just felt like he had he was demanding a bit of them. And, you know, we really want to see that play out. As Lewis mentioned, there, it's a long-term contract. Uh, Tom Fan 18 pointing out he's here till 2028. So it's a, it's a four-and-a-half-year deal Tom uh, obviously doesn't necessarily mean anything because he could get sacked after six months like the rest of them do but uh, ho- hopefully you know if things do go well then then that will stand us in good stead uh, for, for him to, to come in and, and build properly you know it was, it was interesting they hadn't um, sort of uh, revealed what the length of the contract was until today but that is that that again when you, when you get a manager of that ilk on paper then it's good to see that he's tied down for a while as well yeah 100% and this is what we spoke about when Dean got sacked. It's what I kind of spoke about with, with Appleton getting sacked as well. Although I agreed that Appleton had to go. You need that consistency. You need a manager in place, given time, given backing and given financial support. And the only thing I can give the board credit for is they tried to do that with, with Appleton for as long as possible. And it just became untenable. For me, they backed the wrong man. That was the problem there. We don't know how it's going to work out with Nathan Jones. But as I say, I think already you look at the the response to him coming in compared to when Appleton came in, chalk and cheese in terms of how the fans have reacted, how the club feels already in such a short space of time. He needs backing now. I don't know who the players that came in over January were, whether they were Andy's, whether they were Appleton's, whether already Nathan Jones had got any say because they knew that they were thinking of getting him out, whatever. So there is going to inevitably for what the eighth, ninth transfer window in, in a row be a, an element of rebuilding in the summer once again. But if they can back him properly instead of a half back in the summer and then a, getting rid of him in, in the autumn, if they can back him fully and he can comfortably say he has got the squad he wants come the start of next season, we've got half a chance. It, it's as simple as that. The league is probably going to be stronger next year. We have to admit that. Uh, that is if we're even in League One next year. Um, so it's not going to be easy by any stretch. But 
this consistency starts at the top. And and again, I will give the ownership a little bit of leeway in the fact that this season started just all a bit all over the place. And they've said themselves, look, we, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we've got to get sorted. I feel, as I say, that they rushed into Appleton. I don't think that was right. And to be honest, don't think they should have ever got rid of Holden in the first place. But we're here now. His first step is obviously keep us up. That is all that matters over the next seven or eight games. Get us away from that relegation zone. Get a bit of momentum. And then he can start thinking, OK, what do I want over the summer? How much money do I need? How many players do I need? And what do I want to do with this squad next year? And if he has a good run up at that, we've got half a chance. And if the season starts badly next year, we cannot, cannot just bin him off October, November, because then we're in the cycle again. But you'd hope with the calibre of manager we've brought in at the level we are, that won't be the case. Obviously, we don't know. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, as I say, it's it's really exciting and it, it hasn't felt like this for a little while. And um, yeah, I think uh, that, that contract supports him and backs him and they know there's going to be a heavy payout if they choose to get rid of him. So fans are behind him. Ownership seems to be behind him. It's all in his hands now. So uh, yeah, no pressure, Nath. Like, get yeah. on with it. <laughs> yeah. with I mean, with those contracts, it always tends to be, even if it's four and a half years, it probably still don't be a paid off for like a year if he were to get sacked. But hopefully it won't come to that. Uh, as Tom sort of said there, Nathan Jones, uh, according to Dean, has already got the fans behind him. Uh, we would have been lucky to take 1,500 under Appleton uh, to Reading. The away end has been sold out twice. Uh, probably could have taken another 1,000 uh, as well. Yeah, certainly people um, getting behind him, which is, um, uh, yeah, good good to see people getting on board. Um, <clears throat> in in the whole press conference, you would have heard, uh, if you watch on the club website, he, spoke, he was asked a little bit about what he's learnt uh, his previous club. So Rob Waghorn tweeted in saying, I hope Nathan will stop being constantly asked about Stoke Southampton. Uh, the press seem to think he is box office. The job he has to do uh, here is more suiting to his character. So yeah, um, he, he really didn't want to get drawn into his uh, what we did learn at his previous roles because, you know, he said it himself, you, 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 it's pointless now looking back at it and speaking about what went wrong at Southampton because that's in the past. So I can, you can understand from a journalist's point of view why it's asked. You can understand from the manager's point of view why it wasn't asked. But it, it will be interesting to, if we can sort of work out what he has learned. You know, when he was at Southampton, um, I don't, you know, I don't, it's not a nice thing to say, but he became a bit of a joke figure amongst sort of, you know, the, the press and, and, and Premier League fans and Southampton fans certainly aren't very keen on him just with, with some of his statements in the press. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if he sort of reigns that in a little bit, Lewis, or, you know, the fact that he is slightly in a, in a position where the spotlight won't be on him as much as, as it is in, in, in the, you know, all encompassing Premier League, then, then maybe that will suit him a little bit as well. He could, he could be that, that sort of big fish and do what he does, but slightly go under the radar with, with us. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the Southampton job was an incredibly difficult, position to take up for anybody and and he's a manager that was stepping up from the championship into the Premier League and taking over a, a club that were in a bit of turmoil I mean you know Southampton had been mismanaged and and the recruitment had been poor for seasons before Nathan Jones got there and they were always sort of flirting with the drop and it just it just became their turn and he, he went in there probably at the wrong time and yeah no doubt there'll be things that he maybe wishes he'd done differently or, or had worked out differently but you know, it's, it's a hell of an experience. Even the 14 games or whatever he took for Southampton, that's still really good experience. I mean, he beat Manchester City in that time in a in a cup, the semi-final, quarter-final, whatever it was, you know, that that's no that's no mean feat to go and beat, the you know, the best team in the world effectively. So, look, you know, he's, he's obviously a really, as you say, he's a very lively character, very vocal character, very charismatic. And I think when you're, 
maybe managing the the sort of basement club in in the Premier League. Obviously, the the press is is much more you know much more wider scale playing in playing in the top division, and there were obviously performances from Southampton that, that weren't very good, and there and there were results that weren't very good, and they were struggling. And he was in the spotlight for that. And being the character he is, he was probably a little bit vocal about it. And that probably rubbed a few people up the wrong way. But I've got a few friends that are Southampton fans and they they really want him to do well here. So, I mean, I try and ignore all the the, the negative stuff about him from Stoke and Southampton because I think he just took both jobs at the wrong time. When you speak to Luton fans about him, you know, even in the position they're in now where they've got Rob Edwards and they're absolutely flying, they have such a a higher respect and higher regard than for Nathan Jones and, and what he did. And I think that the job he did there, even over the two spells, in turning that football club into a, you know, into firstly a, a, a League Two promotion winning side and a and then a League One side that were competing for the top. They obviously he obviously left before they came up with us that season. And then they've stabilized in the championship. He's gone back there. He's made them playoff contenders and promotion contenders. He's obviously left again to go to Southampton. But every time he's gone to Luton, we've seen that forward trajectory. And hopefully, you know, coming into coming into here, a bit of familiarity. He said in his interview, there's lots of people here that he knows. You know, the fans have already taken to him really well. Hopefully he sees this as a as a long-term project where he can have a very similar effect. Hopefully we don't need to worry about the League Two part, but you know, he can uh he can bring us forward, as we say, get this season done, try and finish as strong as we can and have that big rebuild in the summer, as Tom referenced to, and then have a real go at it next season. And hopefully, you know, it becomes a real, a new chapter for us that we can all invest in for the long term and not be looking at this in six months, eight months time, looking back at, oh, you know, it didn't work out with Nathan. We're looking for another manager because we can't keep chopping and changing managers. You know, as a football club, we did our best when we stuck with continuity and, and stuff like that and and we've had too much shopping and changing and and you look at where we are now and that's got to have some impact on it so look the long-term contract is obviously good as well maybe not always worth the paper it's written on but it's a statement of intent from the owners maybe that they that they hope that nathan's going to be the person that's going to be here for the long term and take the club forward to where we want it to be and to where they probably want it to be as well yeah, Dean says, and who, who has done anything at either Southampton or Stoke? I mean, it's very similar to the the point I made on on Sunday. I think when Jimmy Stone was on, like particularly Stoke, they did, they've they've been in the same sort of end of the Championship table for ages now. No one's going in there and changing it. Uh, Paul saying he only had three months at Saints. What exactly was he supposed to do in that time? And bear in mind, I'm fairly confident those three months were sort of either side of the World Cup break as well. So for for like a month of that, I don't think they were even playing, and he probably would have had a few players not there. Um, which would have uh, taken a, uh, a bit of a, an effect on it as well. Martin's saying, uh, Louis, we're all too happy and optimistic. Can you just show us a Michael Appleton clip so we can pinch ourselves the season uh, starts? Now, I was thinking uh, slightly earlier, like that there's been two or three Thursday shows in probably since January where we've all gone into it really buzzing. Like we've either made a few signings or, you know, something's happened and then the football sort of brought us back down to earth quite, quite quickly. So hopefully that won't be the case um, on, on the, the weekend over at Reading. A few people asking about injury updates. We've got, um, we've got another clip with Nathan uh, in the preview of the Reading game slightly later on in the show where he does speak a little bit about injuries. I've, I've sort of been told he's, he's not one to like give massive like updates on injuries. He likes to play his cards uh, close to his chest. But we'll hear what he did say uh, later on in the show. I mean, uh, it's referenced uh, Tom slightly earlier then about the, the recruitment process in, in that clip there. We heard about how, I mean, he said he, he will have the final say on things, but he will build like a 
a team around him with the likes of Andy Scott and, and obviously Jim Rilberwell doing the bits he has to do with regards to it. And there will be no one big ego that, that sort of leads it. But again, the, the title of manager suggests to me that he's going to be much more at the forefront of that. Uh, and given the, the squads he has built, particularly at Luton, then I've, I don't really have a, a problem with that at all. Neither do I. No, I think if you're a club that has an established recruitment structure in place and you get similar managers in to meet that structure, then I think that's okay. But when you have uh, a kid in Belgium, followed by the owner's son, followed by a bloke coming in who has a relatively good reputation, but doesn't seem to have cut the mustard over the, the first couple of transfer windows he's had, then you're all over the place, right? So you need somebody who actually knows what they're doing. And I would suggest, like you, that Nathan Jones is that man based on his own experience. So managers aren't necessarily, although maybe at this level more so, but not necessarily like they used to be in terms of running every element of the club. But at the same time, if Nathan Jones has a good history of recruitment, then he should be given that say. Um, so, yeah, I think, look, we've had, you know, the Gal and Boyer years where there was a little collective, which again was only two or three years, but there was a group of people there who overall tended to bring in some decent players when, again, they didn't have to report to certain others or, or wouldn't let others overrule them. So I think in our, in our situation, then I think this is the right call. He's a man who's proven that he can do it in the past and is doing it again. And you look at, it depends who he brings in, right? You look at uh, the previous manager was bringing in players that he had worked with before. That's not necessarily a bad thing if you're looking at the long term. But I wonder, given how our December had gone and coming into January, whether that was the right call because writing had been on the wall. So, yeah, I think it's um, I think it's probably the right call. I, I don't know whether I think I don't know if it was him or whether somebody in the chat had said, "Look, the head coach experiment hasn't worked." I think you're probably right under the the previous head coach that it was. I don't think that as a structure necessarily fails unless uh, provided you've got the right people in the right jobs. And at the moment, I don't think we do. So at the moment, we need a manager who's in control of that stuff, who can bring in the right players, who can hopefully pick the right players, which I think has been a large problem. And uh, yeah, as I say, our short term goal is is very clear, isn't it? And that's about getting clear of, of the relegation zone. Yeah, there we go. Right. Um homeowners saying there have been about five high-profile managers who have gone to Stoke uh, after Jones, who will end up sacked and in lower mid-table. I don't read too much into that at that time. Yeah, that's certainly uh, how I feel about that. Dean's asking if I have a haircut every time Charlton get a new manager. It's the second person to reference my haircut. I've been walking... I had this over a week ago, and I'm still thinking that is really short. The bloke definitely didn't do what I asked for. So I've asked for the same thing every time for about 15 years. And this this time it's come out it's it's come out incredibly uh, incredibly short. Um, we should mention um some some really good news. Darren Carnu signing a, a new deal. Lewis, um, I think that was announced yesterday, wasn't it? Um, this great interview with Dan on the on the club website. Um, I've been really impressed with with how he's come on this season, and and I'm not saying he's a finished article, and I'm not saying he should be starting every week yet. But there were times when he's come on in the past where he's still looked a little bit lightweight. Um, and he, you know, I'm not, like I say, I'm not, he's not the finished article now, but he has imp- you've clearly, I've clearly seen an improvement this year. Um, you know, we sort of saw it with Miles when he first came in at the start of last season, even though he was picking up the odd goal, you could see over the course of the season, he grew into his body and that sort of stuff, whatever they say. Um, and I've seen that with Dan this year and considering the amount of goals he has got in obviously, uh, academy football and that, um, I'm, I'm really glad that we, we've secured his services for a few years now. 
A hundred percent. Yeah, he's another another, you know, high high profile success of our brilliant academy. Um, he's obviously been sort of on the on the minds of Charlton fans for a while because of how many goals he was scoring at, at um, sort of the youth level and, and playing in those in those youth teams. And we've always, I think, all been really excited to see him step up into the first team. And over the last couple of seasons, we've seen him in sort of you know little dribs and drabs where. He's kind of impressed, but as you say, he's looked a little bit lightweight. Looked like a, you know, a young player that's been dropped out of youth football into an into adult football. I think we've been in pretty you know crappy positions a lot of the time as well when he's come in. You know, it's not an easy side to come into at the moment. Um, but yeah, this season especially, I agree with you. I think when he has come in, I've noticed a lot more impact from him. Like I feel like he's brought a lot more to games. I thought even on um, against Derby when he came on in that second half, we saw an impact from him immediately. And he, he's playing with two very experienced um, EFL forwards in, in Alfie and, and Freddie Ladapo. So, you know, I think it's it's great news for the football club to secure his services, to reward Dan for his hard work, especially. Um, and hopefully we, we see him kick on even more. I did think he needed another loan at one point because of, you know, just, just because I think the South End spell, he, he had a pretty good, a pretty good run of it. Then he scored four in one game, didn't he? But that sort of experience is key for players of that age. We've seen it with with lots of our young players. They've gone out, uh, had these loans, and come back and and been a lot more up for it. You know, in terms of playing the, in like the the proper adult football. Um, so yeah, look, it's great news. Great news for us. Hope we see Dan kick on. Um, and yeah, you know, back end of the season, he's he's got every um, every chance of getting himself a spot in the in the side because maybe haven't seen it from Freddie Ladapo yet. And Alfie's going to need the support. Miles is out for the rest of the season, obviously, and we don't know when Chucks is back. So there is that opportunity there for for Dan to come in and, and try and make an impact. So, yeah, hopefully we see him a little bit more between now and the end of the season. Mm. Uh, Bob says, I think Nathan Jones will be much more hands-on rather than hands-in-pocket. Love that. After, of course, uh, uh, Michael Appleton was uh, some somewhat um, disparaged for keeping his hands uh, in his pocket, which I was never that offended by, you know, if he wants to do that, that's fine. But I do think Nathan will be a lot more fun um, on the touch. So I'm um, just, just talking about strikers, we just very briefly mentioned uh, Patrick Casey with a brace last night against Welling in the London Senior Cup. So the next Dan Khan, who's only a couple of years behind Tom, I mean, hopefully hopefully that's an- another one we'll uh, we'll get to see a bit more of in, in future years. I know he's come off the bench at least once this season, hasn't he? Mm. But um, yeah, that was that was good. And, and, and the boys through in the London Senior Cup, they're going to be playing Barking in the next round. Uh, which is which is a uh, good development for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, if we can steer, steer clear of the relegation zone with with a few games to spare, that's the opportunity to give those boys another run out, isn't it? I think Casey was kind of firefighted in because of our injury troubles, which goes back to that that wider point. Same with with Carnu. Really, was recalled because of the injuries. Uh, I think Carnu has looked, as Lewis said, has looked okay when he's come on. I think he's. He's looked uh, effective, certainly more so than the Ladapo, who I will say probably is just struggling for fitness a little bit. But um, yeah, and, and Casey's the same. You know, we've said this certainly ever since I've been on the pod. You just want to be able to blood these youngsters when you want, not when you need to. Uh, and if Casey can have a bit more time at that level, uh, I think that's good for him. I, I think Kanu is clearly a little way ahead in his progression. You saw what he did at South End, albeit a, a lower level, but scoring goals for fun. Um and I think he's capable. Look, what did he play? First two or three games of this season and, and got a couple of goals. So we were utilising him at the start of the season and he was proving he could do it in a in a slightly better performing team. Um, 
so yeah, although we only got one win, I think in that time, but uh, yeah, I, I think that that sort of uh, conveyor belt of players has been there certainly as long as I can remember, um, and and it's encouraging that that's still happening. So Casey's going to look at Carnu and see that he's made it into the team. Carnu was probably looking at Lieburn and seeing that he got in the team. You know, if you can keep that momentum up, there's always opportunities here. You just always want it to be through choice and not through necessity. So yeah, I think. Jones still needs to bring strikers in in the summer and then be able to blood these youngsters as and when he wants to, not because he has to. Excellent. Right, we're going to have a break. Uh, when we come back, we will turn our attention to Saturday's trip over to Reading. Thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom? Find professional, independent local installers with free home surveys, itemised quotes and protected payments, trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties. The British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, Bathroom Installations accredits installers to ensure they are police-checked, fully insured and experienced. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk Hello fellow addicts. I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich. It has six pub of the year awards, an ever-changing selection of amazing beer it's owned by Charlton fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses that go direct to the Valley too. If your matchday routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. We're gearing up for Saturday's huge game uh, over at Reading. The Royals sitting just below us uh, in the table. They're just outside the relegation zone after they beat Stevenage on Tuesday night. Uh, the beneficiaries of an own goal, I believe. Um, yeah, there's a couple of questions about... Um, Dean's asked, what system does Jones play? Because I was reading something the other day that people say he's, he's really good at sort of switching things up. So we might not really know exactly what he's got in mind for us until until we see the starting lineup on on Saturday, which will be really interesting. You know, will he come away from the, the, the back three that we started playing towards the end of Appleton's tenure and that Curtis continued with? Um, will, will we go to, to a four and or a diamond? or yeah, Who knows what he's going to do? We'll, um, we'll find out in due course. But I want to find out a little bit more about um, Saturday's host, Reading. Uh, so I spoke to Matt Lansley from the Elm Park Royals. This was on uh, last night, Wednesday evening, uh, just to find out a little bit about Ruben Sellers' side. Well, we're joined by Matt Lansley from the Elm Park Royals podcast uh, to look ahead to Saturday's game uh, over at Reading. Matt, thanks for for joining us. Um, when we spoke earlier on in the season, obviously we 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 did have to speak about the the off field issues at, at Reading. They are still uh, ongoing. So before we we get into the football inside of things, do you want to just give us an update on 
where you guys are with with Die Young and also what what the Reading fans have got planned for this Saturday. Where are we with Die Young? Oh, that's uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so it's well it deteriorated since obviously we last played you earlier in the season. I think it was around October time we played you guys. I think there was hope of a sale kind of coming towards towards the middle of November. Um, that never materialised. There were offers on the table. They weren't well. They were taken, but then terms were changed at the last minute. Um, seemingly. Um, Dayong decided to change his mind on pretty much everything that was agreed and that meant deals fell through um, and wages weren't being paid cutbacks were being made at the training ground um, you've probably all seen the stories around um, what's happened at the training ground heating being switched off catering staff not being paid and hence why the catering staff ended up going mean there's no food at the training ground anymore it's just been a slow deterioration um, really um, and just obviously a continuation of what's really happened before. Um, it's looking a little bit more positive now. There's renewed hope of a sale in the next couple of months. Um, Nigel Howe, former chief executive, has come back into the club to almost, I guess, lead the sale process. Um, only caveat to that being is that he's been involved in the last three sales of Reading FC, which were to Anton Zingarevich, the Thai owners, and Dai Yong none of which went particularly well. So, <laughs> so it's just desperation stations, really. You know, I think as Charlton fans will know from experience at this point, you kind of, it's a horrible position to be in because you would just take anyone really at this state um, or at this stage because it's almost survival of the club over over anything. Um, protests that have kind of come to this stage, you know, it, it all got to a head really um, at the Port Vale um, at the Port Vale game, which obviously culminated in a pitch invasion and um, obviously the game being abandoned, that was almost a last cry for help, really, because seemingly after Dai Yong decided to turn down or change all the offers that were on the table to him, he seemingly went incognito, as he seemingly likes to do, um, wasn't listening to anyone, wasn't listening to offers, and it was kind of, well, at this rate, we're just going to end up, you know, going under and potentially being liquidated that was how kind of serious it was because players weren't being being paid um players had started to be sold in january as well behind the sporting director and managers back that was kind of the final breaking point um and that's what obviously led to led to the um the port vale pitch invasion um we have had a bit of a smack on the wrist from the efl obviously from that um they've obviously given us a three point um suspended points deduction um for if we cause another match abandonment through fan trouble so it's unlikely very unlikely probably not impossible there'd be a pitch invasion this weekend so don't worry on that front um the, the protests have kind of changed more to just embarrassing Dayong and Dayong Pang the seat the current CEO as much as possible so there's um uh, a, a clown day um protest really that, that, that this weekend um so you'll probably see a lot of people in Dayong face masks clown wigs um and everything like that so just trying to have a bit of gallows humor really to be honest because there's that, that's kind of the stage that, that that we're at you've just got to try and you know have a have a bit of fun and have a bit of a laugh at the end of the day whilst trying to trying to cause a bit of embarrassment for for the owner Mm, well, hope, hopefully there'll be a, a resolution um, in, in the way that the Reading fans wish for um, it, it, sooner rather than later. Like I say, we've been through through similar ourselves. Um, yeah, so it's here. Best of luck. Obviously, you're on the field of play. Um, I mean, Tuesday's win at Stevenage, um, well, brought you onto level points with us. So, um, yeah, we a, a, any 
Charlton fans who've been naive and thought we weren't going to get sucked into this relegation battle have, have, have found out the hard way, myself included, really, there, that, that we are well in it now. Um, and, and yourselves, you've really played your, your way back. There's only one defeat in 11, only four wins at that time, obviously a lot of draws. But yeah, it really feels like Reading have turned a corner sort of since the start of um, sort of December. Is, is that fair? Are you, playing, are you playing much better now? Yeah, I mean, most most fans look back to the Shrewsbury game um, where we were winning 2-1 up until the 92nd minute and then ended up losing that game 3-2, courtesy of, I think it was 96th minute winner in the end. Um, that game, we were playing much better anyway. We shouldn't have lost that game. That was kind of a freak loss. It was from two set pieces. I mean, if you've played Shrewsbury this year or seen them play, they're not the best going forwards and not the best kind of in, in the attacking third. The only way they were going to win that game was was through through a set piece and kind of defensive mishaps, and they got one in the first half and obviously two corners at the very end of the game. Um, but we played well that game, and more importantly, Sellers had changed shape um, up to that point because we were playing almost a four-two-two-two um, up to that point. Um, this kind of, I guess you'd call like Geigen press type of formation, um, but it was just a car crash. Um, Sellers changed it up though, changed to a four-one-four-one formation or a 4-3-3 depends how, how how you look at it when 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 the players are attacking um and since then the team's become much more much more resolute um we're not losing many games anymore that was a big problem back at the start of the season obviously we, we went i think it was nine away games consistently losing um and we weren't getting any draws that's what's kind of changed of late and when you're getting draws you're constantly picking up points you're you start to close the gap to those in front of you and chuck in some of the wins of late. Um, confidence really started growing in the middle part of early part of um, January, I'd say, because we had a good Christmas period. We got a good point away at Peterborough, um, but then we kicked off the year well against Exeter and had a two week pretty much break, obviously, over the FA Cup period. Um, there was the stuff behind the scenes, obviously, that was going on at that time as well. Um, players being sold, but there's seemingly been a togetherness that's really brewed in this team um, of late. Uh, you've had some key players in that. Harvey Nibs has been one of them. Sam Smith, even though he's not scored since that Peterborough game, has been crucial um, in, 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 in the upturn of form. Lewis Wing and Femi Aziz as well. Um, those four players really have become almost critical to this team now going forwards. And wins against Derby and Stevenage last night, draws against Leighton Orient, um, and Oxford, you know, when you look at the table, we've we've played Derby, who I think are second in the table. Uh, Stevenage was sixth, Oxford seventh, and Leighton Orient who were ninth, and got eight points off the back of that. So it's it's really brewed some confidence within the fan base, and um, yeah, I think a lot of fans are a lot more hopeful maybe that, that, than we were, you know, a few months back when we were ten points um, adrift in the relegation. Yeah, and I'm just looking ahead to Saturday then. So we we've sold out our allocation. Excuse me, drop my mic. Uh, our allocation there um, at, at the Select Car Leasing Stadium, which which it appears to be called now. Um, how, how do you see Saturday going? You're five unbeaten at home. You, obviously, you are on a good run. We're we're not. We um we we we're winless um in in twelve now. I think it is. We have the, the last clean sheet we kept was when we beat you at home back in October. So <laughs> that's uh, eighteen games without a clean sheet. Oh. So I mean, how, how are you sort of approaching this game on Saturday? Yeah, I, well, I, I don't have many good memories from that from that game back at back at your place. I got very drunk beforehand, and um, I ended up having a vegan sausage roll because they were all out of food at that at, at about thirty minutes. I was like, "What?" 
and it tasted like a chair leg um yeah the less that i remember about that day the better <laughs> um yeah but i mean at home we've been so much better than we have been away you know i think like with you guys we'd only won one game before stevenage away um this season um you could even look back to kind of the end of november or before the winter break last last season for our win before then and um, before this season went over a year without a win but home form has been really really good um this season i think we're eighth in the in the form table when we're at home um but expectations for this weekend i think you could pick an answer out of a hat you know it's the new manager kind of um kind of feel charlton will be on a feel good kind of factor from that nathan jones everyone knows what he's obviously done at luton um I, I think it's still still to be seen if he can do that outside of Luton, if he was just right place, right man for that club. Obviously, his time at Stoke and Southampton, you could maybe say that, you know, there were basket case situations at, at, at both clubs. But um, but yeah, like I think the win midweek against Stevenage takes a bit less pressure off, obviously, Reading to get a win this weekend. I think most fans would probably be happy with the draw, um, you know, just to keep those points ticking over um, and accumulating uh, points, obviously, for... For, for safety but but saying that i think a lot of fans would probably think well why not you know if we can beat the likes of derby and stevenage um in 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 recent weeks you know that some fans might might look and think three points is realistic at the weekend but you know it's new it's 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 a new manager it's a new team anything could really happen obviously you've got one of the best strikers in the league in in alfie may so um yeah if if I was going to predict something, if I if we were to get a draw, I'd be content. Um, so uh, so yeah, I think I think I'd be I'd, I'd take a point at the weekend. There we go. That's Matt Lansley from uh, the Elm Park Royals pod. He give us the lowdown uh, on Ruben Sellers' side. Um, I swear, every team we play at the moment, even when even if we if we somehow played someone who was absolutely rock bottom, they still would have lost one in ten or something ridiculous. Tom, we just can't seem to shake off playing sides who are having a a, a decent bit of form one way or another. Um, and which is which is going to play a massive part on Saturday because we will have. The new manager boost, which you know, whatever, whatever you whether you think that's real or not, Nathan Jones feels like the sort of bloke who's going to provide something like that. But we are against the side that that are looking good at the moment, and and um, even with what looked like what looks set to be a bit of a fire sale in January, didn't sell as many as some predicted, and and still seems to be picking up results. I mean, that was their only their second away win in literally like a year and a bit. Um, on Tuesday, which means they've now got more away wins than we do because we've only had one all season. Ridiculous, isn't it? Can you imagine what the other teams are like? Because they must play us and be like, right, they're in a bad run of form. They've lost 150 in a row. And then they come to play us in the reverse fixture and they're like, oh, they're still on that same run, are they? They've now lost 250 in a row. Whereas we seem to have the complete opposite. So, yeah, I've gone from the start of this season, which I still maintain that this league's awful, to us coming up against teams who seem to be playing like Pep's Man City every single week. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I think we've got to the stage of the season now where even if the other team aren't very good, it doesn't make the game very easy, uh, partly because of the state we're in and the, and the form we're on, but partly because we're down there and teams down there now are scrapping for their lives. So you this stage of the season, you're very rarely coming up against a team that are playing for nothing. Um, and sa- sadly, that's not even us now. So... Um, yeah, obviously, a lot of the fixtures in in this part of the the month we're we're playing, or sorry, this part of the season we're playing teams that are fighting for promotion, and then we've got a couple down there as well who are fighting to avoid relegation. So 
every game it feels like has got something riding on it. So even if the team themselves aren't playing well, which, okay, Reading have picked up a bit. So even that in itself is, you know, they are. It's just a bit cagey and it's a bit, you know, it's a bit tense. And any mistake, and we love a mistake this season, is is amplified because the the potential consequences of that mistake are so much more. Um, I agree with you. I feel like Nathan Jones is somebody who with his... Uh, I don't know, touchline antics seems negative and I don't mean it like that, but with how he will be in terms of his passion on the touchline and backed by just a, a phenomenal amount of away fans, the atmosphere is going to be great. You know, I was just saying there, wasn't I, in, in our chat, you know, I went away to to Burton. There was, what, a few hundred of us there and and we didn't have much to sing about and you've got apples there with his hands in his pockets and that's when something like that does count against you because if you've got Nathan Jones there, screaming at his players to put some effort in and players then go and put a massive tackle in or whatever, it does change the atmosphere in the crowd. So everything seems a little bit more aligned amongst the the fans and the players, certainly in that last game at Northampton as the players went off uh, and certainly with the fans and the manager, although obviously he's now got a lot to then go and prove on the pitch, but it's going to be a, a hell of an atmosphere there. And I think that will play a big part in, in what's going to potentially be a very cagey game because the stakes are so high. Mm, yeah, I mean, all hell let loose is asking if I'd accept a draw on Saturday uh, or says, do we need to go there and win and then risk losing? I mean, the only thing I will say is, you know, a draw means they won't overtake us and all that. But don't forget our fixtures coming up over the next few weeks are very difficult. So we've got Lincoln at home on Tuesday. But then we're away to Bolton, home to Pompey and away to Derby. I mean, they're all very difficult games for us. So maybe if, if we were going into a fairly standard run of fixtures, maybe a draw would be OK. But I'm just very wary of what's coming up behind. And we really can't afford to, you know, get 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 left left adrift if, if we go on to lose the next three games after after the Lincoln game, which is very possible because they're, they're, there's some good sides we're going to play. Right, let's hear uh, from the Addicts boss uh, once more. This includes the injury update uh, ahead of the trip uh, to Reading uh, on Saturday. This was Terry speaking to Nathan Jones earlier on today. Hard work, I'm sure that's true. And, and the guys have already mentioned precarious position we're in. Um, the stats show that and the stats, uh, we can score goals. We're in the top 10 for that, but we can see it as well. We're in the top three for that. Is that a short-term focus? Well, your short-term focus has to be to improve that. Whatever we got to do to win games is, is a focus. So if we can clean sheet, if we can keep clean sheets, outwork opposition and score goals, then we'll be fine. One particular painful aspect uh, of our season so far has been the we've been our injuries to key players. Um, people like Miles Lieber, Kanish Kamara, Chiksanike, Michael Hector now, all fairly long-term, and more recently, George Dobson. Can, is there any news you can give us on uh, ahead of Saturday about, uh, about those injuries? Well, it's not as grim, grim as you just painted it there. So we're uh, we're in a better position than that, um, with with pretty much apart from Miles Lieber and everyone else is back in training. Cool, perfect. Uh, we visit Reading, below us in the table, obviously, uh, but in good form. Um, we'll be backed by uh, three thousand addicts, and you mentioned before about having a connection. I think the fans are already um, bought into that. I think three thousand travelling fans in, in the position we're in is, is, is a phenomenal thing, and uh, you can ask for a better reaction from the champion. Oh, absolutely! But again, without being flippant, you, you do expect it because they're a great, they're a great group of fans. You know, it's it's not out, it's not suddenly like three thousand have turned up. Three thousand have, have turned up in the past plenty of times, and it's it's a wonderful fan base here, and really good. And it's a working class fan base, and I say that with the greatest respect. Because um, I'm working class myself, and, and as I said, I'd like to build them something that that they can be really, really proud of. But no, sadly, if if if, if we win the game, if we draw the game, if we lose the game, look, it, it wasn't just built in one week. I, I'm hoping for a real reaction from the players and, and a positive one. Um, but 
you know, we're, we're, we're four days effectively into building something. So um, it's, it's important that they, they see certain things that they, that they can relate to, certain things that they see, OK, yeah, I see where, where we're going, and then, and then we can build it from there. There you go, that's Nathan Jones then looking ahead to his first game in charge as we make the trip uh, over to Reading on Saturday. Lewis, um, it would have been his first opportunity to look at the team. I mean, just, just chucking in a few of the comments that people have made up in the chat. Are, are people are asking the question about the goalkeeper. Um, some people were suggesting maybe he might put Louis Watson in to start. I mean, when, when you go into a new side, obviously he's had he's had the, the full week to, to look at him. Thankfully, no, no midweek game for us this week, but it must be quite difficult to go in and, and assess what you think, how, how you think you can set up in your first game without having seen them properly in the, uh, in the flesh, in a, in a proper competitive game. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? And and you think it's only really a week that he's been given to, to sort of sit and coach with them. And is he going to make any drastic changes to the system at this stage? I don't know. Like, will they just uh, persist with, with the current system we're playing and, and make little tweaks to try and, try and improve it or will will they go for for a new a complete new system i think nathan jones a lot of his success has come from playing a diamond which we've obviously seen previously with with bowyer and we've got enough midfielders to play it um and the, and a lack of wingers so it'd be interesting to see if that's something that he looks to implement going back to four at the back and playing a diamond and utilizing some of those midfielders um you know it's going to be it's going to be a really tough contest isn't it um I think it's a massive, massive result. I mean, speaking about it earlier, as you said, could we afford to draw it? I don't think we can, really. I think you've got to start strong. You've got to start off with this winning mentality. The next two games are probably the most winnable of the next few. So you want to be looking at at Reading away, taking some points from that, going into Lincoln, hopefully with some confidence back on home soil at the Valley and, and try and get maximum points out of that before you know an incredibly tough trip to Bolton, who are, who are flying high at the moment. We don't have a huge amount of luck up there either. So we want to be trying to get our points where we can. And, and I think on paper, really, Reading and, and Lincoln are going to be the winnable games. I always fancy us against Pompey. We could be the worst team in the world. Going through our worst run of form, we'd still manage to beat Portsmouth somehow. Um, so maybe that'll be one as well. But I think ultimately, I think Jones as well is the sort of character. He's going to be, one, he's going, to be going all out for that win because it, it would just kick off such a positive bit of momentum. You know, first win in God knows how long. Um, it's definitely what we need. I wouldn't be overly disappointed with the draw, but I think the momentum that, that we need at the moment, we've got to be going for all three points and trying to take that into Tuesday um, and get back-to-back wins if we can. Yeah, Ian's asking if Curtis Fleming is still involved. Yeah, he's still, he's still been down there uh, this week. Um, yeah, I mean, Andrew's saying we've got to play to win as we can't defend. And, and obviously he, he mentioned there, uh, briefly at the top of it, that we need to start keeping clean sheets. Everyone knows. That. I, 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 was, I almost shot myself when I looked it up before I spoke to Matt yesterday. There's 18 games without a clean sheet in the league now, which is just it's embarrassing. <laughs> There's no other way of putting it. So he'll be he'll be very eager to try and try and sort that out. And spoke about injuries. He spoke about basically everyone being in full training, uh, other than Miles Leeburn. Tom, so you know that include that would include the likes of Chuksaniki. You know, um, at what point will he be introduced back into the squad? Dobbo, who missed last week, as I said, he, he doesn't. He's not going to. He's not going to come out and say yes. George Jobson's fit enough to start Saturday. He's not going to be one of those managers who's going to give us a lot of detail. But um, you know, he's, he's given us a bit of an update there. So some selection headaches starting, I guess, with Chucks. You know, if he's if he's getting close to being in a position where he can come off for the bench for 20 minutes. I mean, I would suggest we never start him again personally. Um, but yeah, he, he could, he could literally be 
a difference between us going up, staying up, and, and going down to, uh, this season. You could argue pretty much our entire season has been has been basically him. Like when we've been good, he's been playing. When we've been bad, he hasn't. It's it almost. I, I know that's probably slightly too simplistic, but it's not far off, is it? Because Holden, I don't think ever had him. Uh, Appleton had him and did well, and then lost him and did badly. And now you can see him coming back, and you know the difference he's going to make. It wouldn't be a surprise if he, you know, if he plays what. 60 minutes over the next three games, so 20 minutes in each game, you could probably see him getting a goal or an assist or a contribution of some sort in all three. And, you know, if you get six or seven points out of those instead of three or four, could be could be huge come the end of the season. So, yeah, I think I think that's that's important. I think the, the goalkeeper question is the right one to be asking. I think the, the question around Louis Watson is the right one to be asking. You know, I said a bit earlier, I think, a large part of Michael's downfall was his inability, as far as I could see it, to pick the right players in the right positions and, and drop the right players when he needed to, personally. Um, so, yeah, he has got a selection headache because, as we've all kind of said, when this squad is fully fit, there's a, some good players in there. And Miles, sadly, is one of them. And obviously, he's not going to be available. But Chooks, if you can get 20 minutes out of him, huge. I think Louis Watson, when he's played, I know Joe put some graphs up earlier in the season in terms of the impact he's made in games that we've done well in. Again, huge. Uh, I think the the goalkeeper one is is just one that just keeps on running, and I don't know we know the answer yet because Eister didn't get long enough in the side, but Ash certainly looks short on confidence and isn't instilling confidence in the back line. I think that is is definitely clear. Whether you change him or not is a big call, but it, it may turn out to be the right one. So, yeah, I think... I think there's enough in there for him to be excited by. And, you know, there is probably the midfield there, as Lewis says, to play a diamond. You know, you've got Coventry and Dobson, and we've been talking about how they play too similar. Well, if you play a diamond, could one of them push up? Uh, does May play in the 10 or does Louis Watson? You know, there are options there within that midfield. And I guess the one part where we're still struggling, although maybe a couple of the new boys coming in, is the wing-back position. If you're relying on those wing-backs, I just don't think Tanai Watson is good enough. And I don't think Eden on the other side, shows it consistently enough. And so if you are looking for width and you're looking for those players to do it, that continues to be a bit of an issue at the moment. But I'm excited. You know, I'm excited. It's the eve of a new manager. It's a manager that we're all behind, whereas I don't think Apple's probably ever had that. Um, and yeah, if if we can get off to a fast start, if we were to get an early goal, that away end is bouncing. You'd imagine even if things don't start that well, that away end is going to be is gonna be good. Um, and that's the thing now. We've all got to just back him back the players, whatever we think of some of them, and we've just got to get our way through to the end of the season now, maintain this status in League One and, and go again next year. Mm, yeah, George saying that if Chucks can stay fit for half the games we have left, uh, we will stay up. And Michael's saying, uh, yeah, his uh, best season for us was when Boya just used him uh, as a super sub. He had uh, the, the vision. Um, yeah, referenced all, all throughout the, the show about how the fans are really back in the side at the moment with, with the tickets they've sold. Uh, the, I know that a lot of fans are going to wear red after sort of fans for fans, but something on social media, the club arranged with Uni of Greenwich that we're going to wear red as well. Sort of a whole unity reset thing, which... I'm not going to sit here and say overall the team deserve it, but they need it. We all need we all need this to be a proper reset for us. And the fans are going to be. I'm really looking forward to Saturday because I just know it's going to be absolute class from our lot. Whenever we sell out an away end, it's going to be noisy, and there, there will be this togetherness. And if we can get that that last minute winner, Lou Nathan Jones whips the top off. He's in he's in the away end with the boys. It's it's just going to it's going to be amazing if we can get that. We just have to get it right on the pitch Saturday. This could really be a big turning point for us. 
Well, what a uh, what a weekend that'd be, eh? <laughs> be unbelievable. But yeah, you're right. You know, it's this club moves best when it's when it's united and and everyone's pulling in the same direction. You know, we we've, we've seen numerous times how strong this fan base is. Even last season, I know it was United in a, in a cup game, but taking that many midweek to Old Trafford and generating that noise and out singing seventy odd thousand, just think what we can do with three thousand at, at the Madstad. So. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be one hell of an atmosphere. Uh, the excitement around Nathan Jones is, is just going to build to it, and I think him as a as a character as well. Like as you say, if we if we do get a result, we do win that game, and you've got three thousand fans, and he's over, you know, punching his chest and hands in the air and everything, and all the players. It's going to be amazing, and, and that could be the lift that we really need. It all sounds a little bit too good to be true in my head. Like I'm trying not to hype it up too much in my head and just think, oh, I can't wait for five o'clock on Saturday. Nathan Jones can be doing like belly slide towards the away end and Peacock's going to have his top off and all sorts, but it's not going to happen. So, you know, I'm trying not to get too excited. If that does happen, amazing. But I think let's let's get the football out of the way first. And ultimately, all we can do as, as supporters, and I know that we will do it, is, you know, absolutely sing our hearts out for 90 minutes and try and suck that ball into the net as much as we can and try and kick on from here, try and restart our season and and ride the Nathan Jones wave. Yeah, just for any confusion now, I assume that Lewis was referring to his mate Peacock. Uh, if he, if, Pe- if if Lewis's mate Peacock takes his top off, that would sort of take the edge off for me. If Keith Peacock takes his top off with Nathan Jones jumps, that would the season over. I think we, I think we call it a day there. It would have been a successful campaign, as far as I'm concerned. Right, we've run out of time on Charlton Live. Uh, thanks to everyone who's joined us live on the live stream. Make sure you subscribe uh, on our YouTube channel uh, so you never miss another live show. Or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well if you want to catch up uh, via the podcast afterwards we'll be back on sunday 10 a.m uh, to look back at nathan jones's first game uh, in charge so make sure you join us then a uh, big thanks to matt lansley from the on park royals uh, who gave us a preview of the game from their uh, point of view massive thanks uh, as well to tom and lewis good to speak to you chaps as always cheers lads, cheers, lads. So I'm Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. We shall see you all again on Sunday morning. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 